homebodies, this is a heads up to let you know that this episode will contain discussion of abuse, domestic violence, grief, and loss. Please be advised as you listen. With that being said, here is our conversation with Vicki Davis. Hey, homebodies. Welcome back to the Introvert City Podcast, where we discuss culture, media, and faith from the perspective of an introvert's complex mind. Hi, guys. I'm Seth. And I'm Karina. And we're back in the studio today. Yes. <laughs> Episode four of season two. Things are going well. Yeah. We are doing so much better mm. planning-wise. We have yes. a whole schedule with guys, topics right now. Y'all don't realize last season was kind of a mess with planning. There were literal episode series and part ones and part twos that were planned like the day before. The day of. <laughs> the day of, <laughs> if we're going to be honest. But yeah, we're much better with that today. And uh, a lot a lot has happened this week, but we're kind of at a good place where we're kind of resting now. And yes. there's a lot coming up. I know that some people are actually getting ready to go back to school soon. So are you. I am too, but you are too. <laughs> <laughs> they they started the, the the old Navy commercials and the Gap oh, commercials. Oh, no, for school. Uh, get your back-to-school backpacks and sweaters. Yeah. and Oh, oh gosh. my gosh, man. It's yeah. fine. We still have a month. Still have a month. Still have a month. Still have a month. Be positive. So in this week's episode, we wanted to kind of take a bit more of a serious approach with today's topic revolving really around grief, loss, pain, going through really hard hardships and stone walls in your life and trying to kind of find joy through all that as well. And we have been wanting to have a guest to speak on this for a long time. And a few months ago at the church we go to, Journey Church, shout out Journey, (laughs) there was an amazing guest speaker that Pastor had on stage one Sunday as he was doing testimonies. He'd done with a couple people actually, one person before that. But this testimony spoke to me really strongly. And I'd been th- I've been thinking about this for months. And I got the pleasure of actually meeting this guest um, over the past few months as we, me, Karina, and her were in the choir together, yes. <laughs> as well as just a lot of people have talked about her. And we've talked to her. And she's been a great blessing to both of our lives and spoke really great words to both of us. And it's been a great experience learning about her testimony and about her openness and seeing her joy. So we would like to welcome today's guest, Vicki Davis. Well, thank you guys for having me here. It's <laughs> such an honor. I, it really, truly is. Welcome thank to the studio. Thank you for being here. We, mm. We're so, so thrilled. I wasn't there in person when you gave your testimony, mm. Vicki, but I watched it online several times. And mm. wow, just so, so powerful. And I think that your story has already impacted so many. You mentioned that you spoke at, at different colleges, and um, I think to everyone listening today, it's it's really going to impact them in a huge way. So, mm. yeah. Um, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself? What do you do? What do you enjoy? Well, uh, we have a business, but I stepped down. My daughter took over, and I'm a babysitter for all the grandbabies. I have 20, Yay. yes, I have 26 grandchildren and 15 great. Wow. Six. Yeah. Wow. So I had a family of seven. Okay. And uh, so when you have that many kids, you can expect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just uh, do Bible studies, trying to just do whatever God calls me to do. Because mm. at the end of the day, that's the only thing that really matters. And it's the only thing we'll take into eternity with us. Mm. Amen. Mm. Okay, so. <laughs> and for real quick, the obligatory introvert extrovert question, Vicky, 
do you identify as an introvert or an extrovert? We and ask all of our guests this question. Okay. <laughs> Definitely an introvert. Yes, that's a win for the Which introverts. surprised me. I'm not going to lie. It surprised me a little bit. But would you like to explain? As a child, I was hiding behind the couch when people came. I was very uncomfortable around people. Would rather be home than out. Hmm. And I got sick just about every year before I started school because I was mm. so nervous about going to school and all the people and all the other stuff that happens. But God has placed me over and over and over again in places where I had to speak in public to mm. honor him and to obey him. Mm. And I thank God and I embrace my weakness of introverts because when you're like this and you guys know, you have to depend on him to speak. Mm. You know, you just have to. And so in my weakness, I have embraced that. I used to hate it, but thank you, Lord, that I am an introvert. Mm. (laughs) Yes. Praise God. Yes. Be encouraged, everyone, introverted listeners, homebodies. (laughs) All right. Well, let's jump into this. Um, This will be a good episode. It'll be a hard episode. Um, Mm. But let's just get started. Can you, um, Vicki, just give a brief overview of your testimony of faith? I found out when I was a teenager that if I drank, I could talk to anybody, Mm. anybody. And that snowballed into drugs and alcohol and all kinds of things. And a friend of mine who used to party with me, hadn't seen her in a long time. She came to my house and her and my mom were talking. And she said something about Jesus. And I thought, oh my goodness, she became one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) one of those people (laughs) and um but she had such peace about her Hmm. and her husband had left her she didn't have heat in her house her car needed inspected and she was smiling and i'm thinking what Hmm. is wrong with her when she left she put her phone number in my hand and she said call me and i thought when pigs fly i'm calling you you ain't gonna be (laughs) preaching at me but i couldn't get over her um peace And so I called her. Long story short, I went down. I asked her what happened to her. She said that she met Jesus. And I was invited to go to a church with her. It was an evangelist speaking. So I went. To be honest with you, I have no idea what that man even said that night. But I just felt a strong presence that I now know was God. And I went forward to the altar. And I said, I've been a drunk and an addict for so long. And if you're real, if you're real, then you need to help me because I can't do it myself. And I left that church that night, and I never drank or did drugs again. That's the awesomeness of my oh, Savior. Goodness. Wow. That's a... Uh... I bet you're regretting you asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your transparency and your vulnerability. I think mm. so many people have so many intellectual reasons to not want to believe in any type of higher power or God, not even talking about Christianity, but just like God in general. So many people, I, I don't I don't believe this. How could a God make a world that's like this? And it's like those people haven't opened their hearts to a real vulnerable emotional experience like you just described, and that is so important. And God can defy 
any type of intellectual conflict mm -hmm. you might have in your brain and just show up and reveal himself to you. And the fact that you stopped cold turkey, you yeah. never went back to, to your addictions. That was God. Insane. That wasn't me. That was the miracle of Jesus wow. Christ and the blood. And it's, it's, it's testimonies like that that show the true shift and this true changing power in the word of God. Because we always hear these 180 stories and think to ourselves, oh, you know, that could never happen to me until it does. Right. And it's so much more real than just seeing it on a TV screen or in a movie when it happens to you in your own heart. That feeling of feeling a, almost like a light turn on. It's, it's like nothing you've ever felt before. Mm. So we wanted to kind of delve a bit deeper into the side of your daughter, okay. May. Um, we just wanted to ask first off, before we get into anything, uh, what was she like? What, were some, what was her background, uh, some of her interests, talents? She and my daughter, Becca, were like twins. They were just mm. together <laughs> all the time. And they were always doing silly stuff. I homeschooled them, and for English, they would write these crazy stories, oh. and they were so funny, and <laughs> she just loved to be with people. She was not an introvert, mm. and neither is Becca, mm. and so we always had a house full of kids, and she liked to go swimming. She was an excellent volleyball player. I mean, she was a good volleyball player. She um, liked music, of course, kids do. And because I had a TV, but we really didn't have cable and all that stuff. Because when you do that, it takes time away from your family. So we would hang out in the living room and talk. Mm -hmm. We would play games. When the kids would come, we would play Taboo and all kinds of crazy games. And she was just full of life and laughter and fun. Can mm -hmm. we ask if she was involved in the faith? Yes. Yeah, how did that kind of lead into everything that happened with, with Mike? Uh, you mean her Christianity or her? Yeah, was her faith intertwined with this relationship? I was a youth minister, and I always had all the kids at my house, and mm -hmm. Mike came. Okay. Um, the first time he came, we had to ask him to leave because he was really disrupting everybody. Hmm. And May actually did not like him, you know. Um, she met him at the Quarryville Fair in September. And he just was smitten with her. And he was very kind and very nice. So she's seeing this other side of this guy. Hmm. And it just kind of snowballed from there. She met him in September, and she was dead by March. So it wow. went quickly. Yeah. Hmm. How, when did it be start to become evident that this relationship was really a problem to you guys? Almost immediately. Um, like I said, I always had tons of kids, sometimes 15, 20 kids at my mm -hmm. house. Mm -hmm. uh, they were swimming and just whatever kids do. And he would say to May, oh, don't go swimming today. Come come oh. in there to the den mm -hmm. with me. Mm -hmm. I just want to spend time with you, and we don't get time alone. And so he started to isolate her. Okay. But I didn't know anything about abuse. I didn't realize that was mm -hmm. part of abuse. And then it got to where she would come out of her bedroom and if she would have a sweater on that he felt was uh, not I mean she never dressed dressed inappropriately but just like a little tighter than he liked mm -hmm. oh may please go take that off 
you just look mm. too good in that. I don't want other guys to look at you. Oh. Well, now what 17-year-old girl? Right. You see, they take the abuse and make it sound like a compliment. Right. And mm. then it got to be where he just didn't want her with the other kids. Uh, some of them said to me, well, she's real nice to us when he's not around, but when he's around, then they're all off to themselves. And I just didn't like that at all. And then I found out that he was on drugs, and I knew that she had tried drugs with him. Mm. And I just told her, you can't, you can't see him anymore, May. He's not good for you. You have the right to wear whatever you want and talk to the other children. You know, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. So was there ever a moment where Mike sat down with you and your husband and tried to sweet talk you guys and be like, introduce himself as your daughter's boyfriend? Oh, no. He was rude. He was rude. Oh, from, really? Oh, yes. Very rude. Mm-hmm. And we actually got in an argument one time. So, no, he. it was all about May. Okay. And him, mm-hmm. um, he was from a dysfunctional family also. So, hmm. he no, he didn't like us, and he didn't pretend like he did mm-hmm. at all. That's tough. So can I ask, as their relationship went on, how did you notice kind of, uh, how did you notice your daughter changing? Just in general, like maybe the clothes she wore, the way she talked, the way she spoke, the way she looked even? Uh, she pretty much dressed the same. It's just there were certain things that she wouldn't wear. Hmm. Uh, she did not interact with her sister or her friends the way she used to. Things got rough with us because I didn't want her to see him. And she actually came to church. I used to preach when my pastor couldn't be in. Uh, so I was preaching that day, and she came in, and she was sitting way in the back. And I thought, why is she sitting way back there? Because she had been with Mike. He was I'm going to go get Mike. He's coming to church with me today. Well, she came and he didn't. And when I went back to her, I could smell alcohol on her. Nine o'clock in the morning. Mm. Are you Mm. kidding me? Yeah. So I told her, I said, May, you cannot see him anymore. This is it. It's done. And I was, um, I'd went away in the morning when I came home. She was gone. Her clothes were gone. And she had went to his house. So I called the police, and I said, my 17-year-old daughter has run away. I know where she's at. I'd like you to go get her, mm. which they did. But on the way home, the police officer called and said, your daughter said she doesn't want to come to your house. She wants to go to your mom's, which lived right beside me. He said, if she keeps running off, he said, we will put her in a juvenile facility. She's almost oh. 18, and we're not going to keep going to get her. hindsight I would have said no you bring her home Mm -hmm. but she was staying with my mom and he was over there every day he was picking her up or I should say she was picking him up he didn't have a car and she worked you know she had a job and they went away quite often but my friend Pam called me one night and said May was here with Mike and her whole side of her eye was black and blue And I said, really? And she said, yeah. She said she fell into a cupboard. But she said where it was, you could tell it Mm. wasn't. Um, Another time, she called us. She called her dad. They were down towards Maryland. And he had gotten a fight with her and took her car keys. 
-hmm. she was trying to get away from him. And in mm -hmm. trying to get into the car, he slammed her hand in the car door. Oh. And um, thank goodness he didn't get her cell phone. She called her dad. By the time he got there, Mike had taken off, but he threw her keys. It was night, so we had to find them. And I just, at the time still, and I should have not realizing that she was in danger, a lot of danger. <laughs> and as things progressed, she came to me actually one night to see her dad. I was there, he wasn't. Mm -hmm. And um, we weren't talking, things were not good with us. Mm -hmm. She was just not talking to me or visiting or it, I was, we were shut down. But her dad wasn't there and I just had this travail that in the pit of my stomach and I just started sobbing and I didn't even know why. And I went out and I just hugged her and I told her how proud I was of her. And how I told her how much I loved her. Mm. And we sat down at our kitchen table probably for an hour and talked and just had mother-daughter time. And I felt the healing that was coming through all of that. I walked her to the door that night. And I kissed her on her cheek. And I said, I love you, May. And I never saw my daughter alive again. That was the same day. It was a couple days later, but I never after that I didn't see her again alive. Okay. Um, but see, God knew. Mm. I didn't know where that travail came from. I didn't know what was up ahead, but He did, and He gave me that time of healing with my daughter, or I would have probably had a lot worse time than I did trying to mend and heal and and accept. Mm. So. God, even then, was so awesome, you know. I didn't know what was up ahead, but he always did. Mm. He always did. The night she died, I promised her, if you die, I will tell your story, and I will be your voice. Mm. Since then, God has said, you need to tell her story, but you need to be my voice. And that's what this is all about, Jesus. Mm. If one girl lives because my girl died, she didn't die in vain. And if one person finds Jesus Christ and the peace he gives in the middle of all this, how awesome is that? Mm. When things like this happen, what I've learned, there's always goodness to look at. We get so caught up in our pain, and, and I'm not saying that pain isn't real and, and doesn't need to be worked through, but I realized then I had children and I had grandchildren. I had a good home. I was born in this country for crying out loud. And then as I saw the, the miraculous things God did because she died, is it enough for me to say, that's all right, Lord, just keep her up there in heaven with you? No, but because I didn't have a choice, because she did die, I look back and I remember a little 12-year-old girl running down the halls at a school I was speaking at for troubled children. And she said, can I have your daughter's picture? Because I always took May's picture. And I said, sure, but Why? She said, well, I'm going to put it above my bed, and every time my boyfriend hits me or is mean to me, I'm going to look at your daughter's picture. And it was like, you're 12. <laughs> you're 12. So I, I just believe up in Penn State, a boy, men don't tell. The girls will, but men don't tell. I mean, come on, your girlfriend's beating you up. But he came up to me, and we talked for a long time, and he said he was being abused, and... So as I look back and I see 
the people that May helped in her dying. See, I always thought that May was going to have this wonderful, wonderful ministry for the Lord. You know, she talked about ministry and maybe going overseas to be a missionary. I mean, she didn't want to be a pastor or anything, but she had a good heart. And I thought, man, God is going to do some awesome things with her. And then she died. But see, he did have awesome things for her. I always thought she was going to do great things because she lived. And he always knew it was going to be because she died. And so she has touched more lives. And I believe given people hope and the courage to get out of relationships because she died. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always think of the scripture where it says, unless a seed dies and falls to the ground, it can't bear fruit. Mm-hmm. So my little girl died, and she was the seed that was planted. But she certainly has built, you know, a managed in her death to have much fruit, good fruit. So could you give us some context, whatever you know about that night, um, about what prompted Mike to such anger? Well, I don't know. I have had heard so many stories. But what I believe, when I had talked to May that night, when we had our last get-together as mom and daughter, she said to me, Mom, you think that Mike's this awful person. And he can be, but she said he can be very sweet too. And that's the cycle of domestic violence. Get beat up, get flowers and candy. And she said, I'm not going to stay with Mike forever. But she said, he told me I'm the only one that can help him. We had talked for quite a while about that. The way she made me believe that she wasn't going to stay with him, that she was just trying to get him through some stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, according to Mike's family, they said they were going out for a year, which wasn't true, um, that they were getting married and she was going to move in with him. But from what my daughter told me, she wasn't going to continue in that relationship much longer. I think they probably got in an argument about what, who knows, mm-hmm. and it just escalated, and I think she was, I'm done, I'm out of here, And that's when it got really bad. Women are in danger most, believe it or not, when uh, in domestic situations when they try to leave or when they're pregnant. Yolanda Jackson, who worked for the district attorney at that time, her niece, bless her heart, was pregnant. And um, she left the abuser because she didn't want the baby in that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he asked to meet her. And she went down to meet him, and he stabbed her 36 times and killed her and the baby. So it's, it's domestic violence is, I call it, a very vicious, mean animal. Mm. <laughs> it's like this, this, this beast roaming. So I don't know what really happened that night. Nobody really does, I don't think. You hear this story and that story and this story. Mm-hmm. I just know that really at, at the end of the day it doesn't matter because my little girl's gone and I can't. That's one thing that's helped me. I can't go back. You can't go back there. You have to just keep moving forward. And it's a battle every day in your mind not to relive things. But, you know, I just keep quoting scriptures and uh, reminding myself of how awesome God is. And I know the plans that I have for you, he says. Mm -hmm. My peace I give you, my peace I leave with you, 
There's so many promises in the word that we don't have to live back there. We do not have to live back there. And we just got to constantly be looking what's up ahead. You know, Jesus says, don't be afraid of tomorrow. I'm up there waiting for you. He's mm-hmm. written our stories. Amen. I just want to say I do appreciate your 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 um your joy and the really positive just the positive aura you just that just surrounds you as you speak. Um, I've seen people go through so much, and pe- even people who go through so much, and I always see them and I see it on them, their pain. But it's like you don't wear, you choose not to wear it, and it, and I've never seen it's something you don't see often. Um, we wanted to ask you as well, um, post what happened to May, how did you find out and what was your immediate reaction? Well, I was um, in bed and my son, Chet, came in and just threw on the lights. He said, Mom, May's been shot. You know, it's like, I'm what? So yeah. I, I, I got out of bed and then I fell on the floor. <laughs> so we managed to get to the hospital before the ambulance mm-hmm. and we waited we waited for her to come and i kept falling on the floor so they put me in a wheel <laughs> in a wheelchair mm-hmm. um i was thinking oh man i hope he didn't shoot her in the legs because she's not going to be happy if she can't walk or you know i never dreamt of her being shot in the head i don't know mm-hmm. why i guess i just didn't let my mind go there so they brought her in, and they said, um, you can't see her right now, I guess because too much blood and, and whatever. But I said to the doctor, I said, where did May get shot? Mm-hmm. And he said in the head. So hope was draining out, but you know what? My God got Lazarus out of a tomb, <laughs> and he could get my little girl off that bed. But I said to him, okay, is she dead? And he said no. And I said, I'm thinking, this is good. So what are you going to do? And he looked at me and he said, nothing. We're not going to do anything. They were more or less saying, we can't help her. She's just going to die. And she did four hours later. So (laughs) that's what happened that night. Yeah. I remember from the church service that you gave your testimony, you had mentioned that you were praying so hard and on your knees begging for God to do a Lazarus miracle. Mm-hmm. And when that didn't happen, you know, anyone that would happen to where, where you're just asking God so desperately, and then he, it almost feels like he looks the other way. That's not how it happens, but that's how it feels. So many people, they, they spiral and they say, I can't, I can't serve a God that would, that would do something like this. Mm. Can you kind of walk through what that was like for you, like not understanding the full picture? Can I read something quick? It's yes, just please. a few sentences. I journaled a lot after May died. And I was trying to figure out how to get, like, maneuver. Because mm-hmm. it was like being in tar some of the time. Just numb and nothing was real. Hmm. And I wrote, I was talking to myself. Try to get through the task of getting through this evening. And try to figure out how I'm ever going to get to sleep. Don't remember. Don't remember my daughter's dead don't remember how beautiful she was and the glowing face that she had. Not now. Maybe in the future, but not now. Too much pain erupts from the depths of my soul, and it threatens to suck the very life out of me. 
the breath from my lungs. Oh, and the pain. I didn't know someone could feel this much pain and still survive. So that times 100 was how I felt that night. But this is God's gift, too. I was never mad at God. You know, people point their fingers, God did this, and why did he allow that? You know what? Sin does it. God don't. God is not going to force himself on anybody. And unfortunately, when people sin, it doesn't stay with them. It ripples, and it ripples, and it ripples, and it touches so many people. But their salvation is to come to him and give it to him. God didn't kill my little girl. Mike did. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, God allowed it. But like I said, you know, he had plans for her death. You know, he knew what was coming. And he knew what glory could be brought to him through it if I would just obey. And mm-hmm. I would just trust him. I, I, I used to pray, am I mad at you? Don't know it. Because everybody said, oh, don't be mad at God. But I was never mad at God. I guess by then, because I had been through so much, I learned that he don't do things. He weeps with us. The word says that, you know, his tears mingle with ours. Yes. And I just knew he was in charge. Not right away. I totally lost my faith for a while. I was in such a black place. I didn't know how to get out of it. Hmm. And I would get up every morning and put my worship tapes on, read my Bible, because that's what I'd done for 20-some years. Mm-hmm. But I used to sit there and think, this is stupid. Sitting here talking to somebody you don't even know. That isn't Mm. even there. But it had been, Mm. see, even that he instilled in me, that routine of just doing that every morning. Mm. And I just continued to do it. People would say, now just hang on to Jesus. I didn't say anything to people, the Christian people, because they throw, oh, all things work together for good, da-da-da-da-da, and just hang on there. And I wanted to say, are you kidding me? I don't even believe that anymore. But I would just, yep, yep. But God took me back to that very first night when I was on my knees asking him to deliver me. He said, nobody could do that for you but me. And there, do you remember when that happened? There was no hope, but I came and I showed up. And so I realized that I am so blessed for all the tragedy in my life because he was building something in here. I didn't know, but he's saying, right there, your daughter's going to die, and you're going to need every bit of this. Hmm. And it's kind of like Jacob wrestling with God. He hmm. was fighting until he realized it was God, and then he hung on, and he said, I'm not going to go to you, bless me. And so I, I looked back, and I seriously thanked God for every trial, every storm, and that's what he used to bring me back to my faith. Hmm. And I knew that he was real, and I knew... It was his will that this happened, not that he did it, but he allowed her to not, because he could have got her up, but he knew what he was going to do with her death. And it was such a glorious, glorious, splendid thing that's come of her death. Just this. Hmm. I mean, along with other places I've spoken, but I believe so many people had their lives changed because she died. Hmm. Yeah, like it says in James uh, chapter 1, the entire first chapter, it says, uh, take, you know, be, be happy in your trials. It says to, you know, um, be happy and, and thank God for the trials that you go through in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that it's easy for us to say that. But then when the trials happen, we say, God, why did you do this to me? God, why, why did you tempt me? God, why did you do this to me? 
Why, why are you hurting me? Why are you doing this to me? And I think sometimes we do find ourselves trying to slip away from the faith. Um, I know you mentioned in that you went through some spiritual turmoil for a bit mm -hmm. through it all. Can you touch on that a little bit more? Yeah, I pretty much said it all. I just had depended on God for so many years mm. for everything because I'm not going to get into all the messes, but he was everything to me. He's why I dressed the way I did and talked mm. the way I talked and did the things I did. And He was my foundation. And all of a sudden that was ripped out from under me too. And I just really was lost. I mean, lost. And it wasn't too long after that that God started reminding me how faithful he's been, and he brought me back. And what I've learned through that time, when you can't hang on to God, he never lets you go. He had me the whole time through my unbelief, through my doubt. He said, I got you. Hmm. I got you, and we're going to come back. We started to climb out of that climb that mountain, <laughs> you know, just, I would get up and I'd think, do you really want to get out of bed? <laughs> and Jesus would kind of come on. And people say it's a day at a time. It's not, it's minute to minute when you lose a child. <laughs> and I would have good days and things would be flowing right along there and I would crash, just crash. And God would let me, he'd sit there with me and cry along. And then he'd say, come on, you gotta get up. We got a mountain to climb here. But the things that were being done in me and the things that he was showing me about who he was. Mm -hmm. I love God. I've always loved God. But through all of that, I've fallen in love with God. He's everything. He is everything. And he can reach down into any place mm -hmm. and walk you out and take you to the mountaintop. The Israelites, when they were going through the the desert and, and Hebrews, you know, God was telling them, don't, don't harden your heart. You know, you were being tested out in the desert. For 40 years, I showed you who I am. Don't, don't harden your heart towards me. Um, I've proven myself, and that's what he did with my past. He proved himself who he was to me. In my journal, I put, I must never forget my times of testings and trials. It was in those times that God said, trust me. The trials have become precious to me. They've become my friends. In the middle of every storm, Jesus was revealing himself to me. It was in those storms that I fell in love with him. I've always loved him, but now I'm in love with him. And that's what God will do. Would I go through the trials again? <gasps> no. <laughs> but do I thank him for them? One of the hardest prayers, because the word says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving that your request be made known to God, etc. doesn't say in the good times mm. and when you're being blessed. He said in everything. And so the hardest prayer I've ever had to pray is thank you that my daughter died. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> because he will fill us with hope and joy, but it's in believing and you have to know him to believe him. It's like I didn't feel any of it. I didn't see any of it. But I believed. I believed that somehow, someday, I would find happiness again. And I have. And I have. I had to find a new normal. Obviously, I still cry for my daughter. And I believe I always will. 
But it's not every day, no. For years, two years, I just cried, cried, cried. But I don't cry every day now. And I can actually, like, laugh with the kids about some of the things that they used to do together. And I don't want to even think about her. I didn't want to know about her. I used to say to mm. Beck, I don't want to talk about your sister right now. But I can now. And I can look back and I can enjoy the memories. Mm. Bittersweet. Yeah. You know, mm. not having her. But now, I, <laughs> that night when she was dying, I was just like, Lord, just rip my skin off. Um, took my eyes out with a burner. I don't care. I just wanted her to live. I Take me. I've lived in my life. You know, I just let her live. She's 17. But what I realized that night, I was praying, you let her be here to do this and let me go home to glory. I'm so glad my baby's in paradise. And I'm here. You know, I'll get there someday. And she is, she wouldn't come back here if you <laughs> begged her to, you know? Think about where she's at. I mean, how awesome is that? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I'm Jesus by any chance, but I truly understood Jesus on the cross, willing to suffer like that, to do anything, anything it took to bring his children home. See, I understood that love. I did not anything anything to save my girl and that's another thing christ used to show me that's what i did for you on that cross i loved you so much that's what i've done for you can you believe that how precious i wanted to ask another question i I remember during um you giving your testimony um at journey you mentioned about pain I think a lot of people may hear your story and find, oh, well, you know, I, uh, oh, my dog died, and I'm, and I'm a mess, you know? Like, why, why is that important, you know? Oh, I, I, I did this wrong. Why am I a mess? What do you have to say to people who almost feel embarrassed that they feel sad or depressed or anxious about the way they feel about their, what they would call smaller pain? No pain, small. A friend mm-hmm. of mine's husband had died after May did, and a girl she worked with was going through some trouble in her marriage, and my girlfriend was so mad. My husband just died, and she's sitting in there crying about her husband, you know, and her having a fight, whatever. And I said, Pam, pain's pain. It all hurts. You know, I said, I could say to you, why are you crying about your dead husband? My daughter died. I said, your pain is the same as my pain. Pain hurts. And so I don't think people should ever compare their pain to my dad died, but her daughter died. It still hurts. Mm. It still hurts, and it's still Mm. pain. And it's still something you have to work through with God. Mm -hmm. Mm. Amen. And is it Becca or Becca? Becca. Becca. Her daughter lives you named is that that's her daughter that's me yes 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 she uh they promised each other if they had girls that they would name their girls after one another so after may died mm. back said can i name my baby after may and i said of course <laughs> so now i got another may <laughs> <laughs> who just got baptized yes Amen. yes she yeah. did mm. beautiful well um, thank you so much for walking us through that. Um, 
and for, again, your transparency. And um, one thing that we usually end on with guests who are giving stories, we ask them the message that they have for everyone listening. So if you could end with one thing that you want the audience to remember, what would you say to them? Could I read something I wrote? Yes. I'm, I'm a better re- writer than a talker. I felt like this is what God was saying to me a couple years after May died. Vicki, when May died, the breaking of your heart was more than breaking. It was a shattering. I know the pain it caused you, but I saw the glory which will shine brighter than the noonday sun. I kept every tiny piece of that heart in the safety of my hands, holding each piece tenderly to my heart. I never left you. I walked through every pain-filled minute with you from the minute that phone call came to the day you watched the coffin being lowered into the earth, which is what contained your daughter. Each step brought a crushing, a shattering, and I collected each piece along the way. My tears were mingled with yours, those pain-filled days sitting in the sunroom. At night, I held you in the darkness as you cried. In the middle of those nightmares, I reached in and I pulled you out. I built a trust in you that will endure through any storm or trial that comes. I left you no choice. Trust me or die. I love you, daughter. And I guess that's what I would say. Just trusting him. He loves you. Gosh, does he love you. He loved you unto death. And I hope that answers your question. Yes, it does. <laughs> and how courageous of you, too, to be willing to open up a, a journal and, and be honest with, with your thoughts and get your thoughts down on paper. I'm a journaler as well. And so all... All of my um, major events, I like to go back and reread exactly how I felt. And um, it's hard. It's really hard in the moment to, to, open, to open up that, that blank piece of paper and to... Can I share one more thing yes, with you? Yes, yes. Share all of them. Talking about journeys. <laughs> uh, after May died, my house burnt down. Mm. And so um, that was a whole different story. But on June 29th, 2015, I said, it's raining. I'm watching Benio Byler build what will be my new home. A lot of things have come to a screeching halt over the last seven years. May died, my youngest moved out, and I became an empty nester. And my home burned to the ground. And what I discover is that some of God's greatest blessings come after there is an ending. Unless some things come to an end, till things die, leave. God can't give us a new beginning And some of the most amazing gifts from God came after some things ended. This story is part of my life, and it starts at the end, the end of my home, the end of my raising children. I no longer try to figure out what tomorrow will bring. I no longer ask God why. If I haven't learned anything, I've learned God seldom comes in the way that I think he will. Mm -hmm. I no longer believe that the most greatest things in my life have come through blessings and joy. No, my greatest gifts, my greatest blessings have come after a huge storm. I want to add just that uh, I feel like loss and grief, especially loss, there is so much that is lost in that loss that we don't realize. And when something is lost, something so integral, something that we feel is so important in our lives, we look for things to fill. Well, you know, um, there's the phrase filling that God-shaped hole. Um, we look for things to fill, and that's when you know people become addicts. 
when people uh, start becoming a different type of person, people start going crazy at the gym, people start going crazy in all aspects of their life. And I just think that it's, it's very encouraging that even when you felt you had unbelief, that you still open your Bible every morning. That's incredible. If I were in a place where that had happened to me, I don't know if I'd even want to go anywhere near a church. I don't know if I'd even want to go anywhere near a Bible. And that's so encouraging to hear that it is possible. It's possible to come back after that. It's not, it's not improbable or impossible that after something so ground-shaking, so earth-shattering to you, that you can still live a joyful life. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And not only that, to, to live joyfully and to be willing to open your Bible, but also back to your journaling, be honest with your own thoughts. So, I, like, I can't imagine, I'm imagining myself in that scenario, and I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to, to sit with my thoughts and, and be honest with myself and write down the pain. That, that is so hard. So thank you for doing that. And, and I'm sure you never imagined that you would be reading those journal <laughs> entries and, and speaking about this. And, and like yeah. you were saying, I think your story is going to impact so many girls, so many people. And um, thank you. Thank you again for coming on. We so, so appreciate it. It was my honor. And what I realized, too, I did and do tell May's story, and I will be her voice. Mm -hmm. But what I also realized through programs like this, from speaking in colleges, from going into schools and anywhere who will take me and listen, my daughter has many voices. She has many voices. Mm, I love that. That's beautiful. Well, we thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode. Um, Vicki, where can people find you? Are you on any type of social media, or do you sp- are you going on to speak <laughs> anywhere else anytime soon? I worked for domestic violence services for four years, and I went into to schools and it was such an honor, and I think at first there was such healing in that. Mm-hmm. But my oldest son, Chet, said, Mom, if you don't stop doing this, I'm not talking to you anymore. You're a mess. Oh <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> Probably the first two years were a healing. Mm. But just reliving her death over and over and mm-hmm. over every day, it was causing more damage mm. than I realized. Mm. But... God has worked some things out in me, and I'm willing to go anywhere, talk to anybody. I just need to put God first. Mm-hmm. See, I was telling her story. God, Like I said, God said, tell her story. That's why I gave it to you. Mm-hmm. But you have to be my voice. What hope is there in teaching people about domestic violence and what happened to May if there's no hope? Right. Mm-hmm. There's no hope. And he is the hope, and he has to be center of this story. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to talk or go anywhere. Most churches that I've tried to speak at, that is so sad, but that doesn't happen here. Hmm. Really? A lot of denial. A lot of denial. Hmm. The statistics are, or at least when I work for domestic violence, one in every three girls between the ages of 12 and 18 are a victim of some kind of abuse, verbal, physical. That's so crazy. You So those churches essentially said no because what the topic was too heavy or and they just didn't think it was a problem in their church my kids are you kidding me goodness are you kidding me my god so 
I'm just trusting. I'm so sorry. Oh, well, I'm just trusting. You know, God's still in charge of it. Like I said, he's into Mars sitting there waiting for me to get there. Um, and so he'll open and shut doors for me. And I'm just believing that, like you, you guys were an open door. This is, other than church, this was the first I've spoken in a long time, other mm. than personally to people. Sure. Mm. But, yeah, I'm hoping that maybe somebody will want to hear what I have yes. to say. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you again. And if you, you guys so want to watch the um, the sermon where Vicki actually spoke at Journey Church, you can find it on YouTube. I think if you search Vicki Davis Journey Church, it should be the first one that comes up. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure of the exact title. but You can find me at, at it's underscore Daniel. Spell it out because it's a weird spelling. It's underscore D-A-N-E-Y-L for Miss Karina. Yeah, you can find me at Karina underscore B04. And our Instagram is... The underscore introvert city and Facebook. The underscore introvert underscore city. That's what I said. No, you didn't see the underscore. Okay, anyways. (laughs) Thank you guys for tuning in today. We appreciate it and we will be back next week. Bye. Bye, guys.